In a world where options are limitless, but time is not, two heroes take a stand against injustice and overwhelming viewing choices. Starring Jane Ellen and Adam Cravens. A podcast that lets you know what's worth watching and what's not. From the Hints and Oakley Podcast Center, this is Binge or Cringe. Hello and welcome to Binge or Cringe. I'm Jane Ellen. And I'm Adam Cravens. <sighs> so, Disney did a thing. They do. Disney actually does a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually at the same time, uh, multiple locations, sometimes like different continents. Mm-hmm. Uh, Multiple devices. So, I mean, really, what, uh, I guess it, I guess it depends on what you're talking about. Okay. I'm talking about Artemis Fowl. All right. Book. So, All right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't read the book. I would love to, actually. From what I saw in the movie, I think I would have loved the book. And I could still love it if I would pick it up and read it. So, Artemis Fowl was to have been a theatrical release. And that's obvious. By the the talent involved, not to mention the the previews that stated coming this summer to yes. theaters, and it was not as bad as this. Rotten Tomatoes, it gets a nine percent. No, the production value alone gives it better than that. I mean, to say to say nothing else of it, like Kenneth Branagh directed it. Yeah, um, like guy did uh, Thor. Um, did the recent uh, Murder on the Orient Express. Like, guys actually got some chops as mm-hmm. a director. So it, it is not... The reviews of it are scathing, as if the reviewers were personally slapped and had their puppies taken from them over the movie. It's not that bad. I I, I think this kind of comes down to, like... Okay, what's the last major release that we we've seen? Mm. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, you, the, the movies have been shut down for months. Like, the last big thing that came out was Onward. Like, and maybe on VOD, like Trolls uh, World Tour. I'm just like critics thrive on kind of picking things apart or not not liking it, mm-hmm. and this is probably the biggest thing to hit Disney Plus since they they almost immediately put onward like onto it. But like you can't tear that film apart because that film's actually pretty good. Artemis Fowl like isn't beloved in the same way that say like the Harry Potter books were. I don't know. I could put this where onward is in that I didn't mind it. But you're you're also arguing it's definitely not a nine percent on Rotten oh, Tomatoes absolutely kind of bad. Not. And first of all, the talent is there. Um, it it is kind of hard to wrap your mind around Josh Gad looking like Hagrid's little brother, but he's kind of got a Pirates of the Caribbean thing going, and yet he sounds like Batman, and he's almost sexy looking for half a second, and then it's Josh Gad again. And there's it's an odd feeling, it's kind of set of emotions to be yes especially be since when it comes down to it he he's just you know Hagrid's little brother but not the giant one the actual little one that's him he dresses like Hagrid. i was about to say the fictional character and then i was like they're all fictional characters adam yeah, that that. you're not <laughs> why, why are you making that differentiation the 
the person that gets the most screen time, he is fabulous, and his last name is Shaw because his grandfather is that, Robert Shaw. That Shaw? Yes, and this kid is fabulous. It'd be great if his his grandpappy <laughs> could have been there. And the the kid that holds the kid that plays Artemis Fowl, um, he he is great, just like the uh, I don't remember the actor's name, but. You've seen him grow up in Gotham. I mean, he was a young actor to start out in Gotham because Batman wasn't Batman yet, and he was like 11 or so. Something like that, yeah. And you've really got to hold yourself to do this. This kid totally delivers. I have no complaint about the acting. It's the story should have really engrossed me. And about 15 minutes in, I realized that there was something missing. And we, my family and I, discussed the whole thing. Like, why wasn't this great? Because it could have been, but what was missing from it to make it not great? Because here's the story. Uh, a guy is a kid who's, let's say he's 12. It's a kid and his dad, Colin Farrell. There's a lot of accents flying around here, Okay. I got you. A lot of accents. And Colin Farrell, of course, is fabulously wealthy. And he's, is he a thief? Or is he this or that? And the son knows nothing about it. But it turns out dad's got a lair. And dad's friends with fairies. Not a euphemism. It's his actual, actual fairies. Actual fairies. And leprechauns. And Judy Dench, who is a leprechaun fairy, perhaps? I don't know. Wait, Judy, Judy Dench is, is there, too? Yes. Man, she has... I remember when I saw her in the preview for Chronicles of Riddick, and I was just like, wait, is that is that the Dame Judy Dench? Like, what, yeah. what is she doing that she needs the money, like, for some of these projects that seem strikingly un-damey un un, un to me? I don't know. Um, and she she also seems to to prepare for this character I'm assuming she smoked a lot because that is her delivery. Of, of tobacco? I guess. She's very gravelly, as is Josh Gad. See, I, I have a picture now in my mind of Judy Dench and Josh Gad just sitting around saying, She's I can sound sitting, more like darling, Batman. Darling, darling, no, come here. I can sound more like Batman. I can sound like Batman with an accent. But what is it? Uh, Harvey Harvey Firestein is he yes, the one that's got? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Come here. Come, yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm Dame Judy Dench. Um, doesn't quite sound like that, but there she is in her little outfit. Well, she looks comfortable at least. Yeah, she does. So this is the the story. You've got a kid finds out, is his dad this, is his dad that? And of course, there's the, the bodyguard. Don't call him a butler, but his last name is Butler. And so he tells the kid what's going on, and it all has to do with saving the world, of course, and fairies this and leprechauns that. And Josh Gad's character can unhinge his jaw. That comes into play later. Uh, It's kind of gross. It should be riveting. And I guess it's just the writing is such that I didn't care. I guess, really. Like it, it does sound like a decent concept. Yeah, I mean, some but of it, the stuff is really cool looking. Like the the fairies can freeze time because the idea is humans would freak out if they knew that fairies were here and they they live underground and they've got this whole metropolis happening. 
And so they do all these things, kind of men in blackish. They can erase memories. They can do this. They can do that. And so you have that dynamic going on. You you spoke of like concept, but like with, but if not executed properly, you said, I don't care. Men in Black was actually what I was thinking about while you were talking about it. And the first film, especially like it's not a, a world threatening, like scenario. It was a bug. Kind of gross. I mean, it was, there was a bug and they were in what, like Queens. Yeah. But I'm saying that film works so well because it's just it's written properly. Like the the chemistry mm-hmm. works. Like it's and it's just Will Smith is like at his peak in that Maybe in that film. Maybe there was right. no chemistry. Um, I'm saying like you can have the best concept in the world, but like the thing that everybody walked away, despite the fact that like I'm sure it costs like a couple bucks to shoot Men in Black. Um, you know, you had a lot of really impressive, like, special effects. Like, I think ILM did a whole lot of that. But the thing that everybody walked away from was going, Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones are fantastic together. Mm-hmm. And, like, you you almost can't, well, you can't put a price, because I guarantee you those two guys weren't cheap, like, to, to come back for the sequel. But you have to have those essential elements. Like, you've got to have a good script that engages your audience. Or you have to, the, the two characters that, you know, you're hinging your film on mm-hmm. if okay if we had not bought um harry potter ron and hermione in the first harry potter movie like we don't have 10 more years yeah we wouldn't have cared. of those harry potter movies like chris columbus for as much as he wasn't a part of the rest of that film he cast those kids and like the last time he cast a kid in a movie it was home alone and that thing did like if you don't cast the right people Mm-hmm. If you don't like have those essential elements, it doesn't matter how much of it seemed like it was going to work. Uh, Kenneth Branagh, we had mentioned him before. One of the things that he did in Thor that had a lasting impact on that universe is he's the guy that pulled the trigger on casting Chris Hemsworth and somebody you may have heard of, Tom Hiddleston. Hmm, I am vaguely familiar with I'm that. saying, like, do you care about the Thor movies if you remove those two oh, elements? Right. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, as much as it's about like a guy with a magic hammer and there's all this fantastic like space stuff and Norse mythology and blah blah blah. Like, at the end of the day, I would watch a movie with Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston that had nothing to do with being Norse gods. Like, I just like seeing those two guys together. They're funny. Does this film have that? Mm. Now in Artemis Fowl, that's that's not a that's not a that's not a no. I, I feel that there were. I feel there's a lot that was cut to get it down to whatever it is an, an hour, just under two hours. Especially where Colin Farrell is concerned. I mean, he bookends it, but he he could have just been mentioned. And Dad said, you know, instead of he. And Colin Colin Farrell is a talented actor. Yeah, I feel like there was probably more of him. But they just ended up... Yes. And I feel that the source material is probably spectacular because you've got the kid who's fabulously wealthy and his counterpart, so his dad is accused of something, his counterpart is a young elf or leprechaun or whatever she is, and she's 83, but they live to be over 1,000, so she's Relatively his counterpart. And okay. Yes. And her father was friends with his father, and her father was wrongly accused. So you have that interaction. And if I was reading that as a kid of that age, first of all, I would be like, oh, that's so cool. You know, and he's got a lair. 
And he says, bring me the suit. And and then the kid's in a great looking suit. And I thought, well, the suit must do, the suit doesn't apparently do anything. But just, except it, look sharp. It does. I felt stuff was removed. And then there is a character who is the niece of the butler, who you can't call him the butler. I don't know why she was there. Probably because she was a character in the book. Maybe, except for them to say, run, Juliet! And she ran. I mean, she didn't, she wasn't necessary to what we saw on film. The the great thing about a book is like, you can really be as long as you 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 want to. Like the the later Harry Potter books are proof mm-hmm. positive like about that. You also run into times where books don't necessarily lend themselves to adaptation. Like um The Half-Blood Prince. I I think and when you go back and watch this movie, I I think they got to the end of the movie and they hadn't shot anything and they realized they never explained who the half-blood prince was. <laughs> so they just had, had they had to have Al, uh, Alan Rickman run back in and just go, "I am the half-blood prince, <laughs> Harry Potter." Cuz the the central thrust of that book is them going into the Pensieve and like looking at all of these. Mm-hmm. It's it's basically a, a book done in flashback. Mhm. But that that wasn't going to translate well. Like of all the movies that I, because I loved the book Half Half Blood Prince, but the film I just like I watched it because I watched all the Harry Potter and I didn't hate it, but I was just like I don't feel that this thing is a good translation mm-hmm. of that book. And I mean, you may be running into that there, whereas in Artemis Fowl was a spectacular book, you know, captured kids' imaginations. But it maybe doesn't lend itself to that. What I'm sure they were probably hoping of sequelizing or or whatever, catching some of that Harry Potter magic. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a it's a kids book series. Sure, we'll make seven of these. Yeah. So, don't avoid Artemis Fowl. Have no expectations. And I think the younger ones will just think it's cool looking. I think the more movies, you, I, th- I think those like us who know and love movies expect more because we see what's been put into it. And that's why I guess I was disappointed. So that's where I think that's coming in there. There are so many times I wish I could turn off like the film student in my head and just watch him. Because I, I think you really did nail it. There's a lot of times like... I can't watch a movie and just be like, well, that was good. I enjoyed that. I have to I have to sit there and talk about in my head why I liked it, why I didn't like it, what right. they did wrong with it. Like sometimes I really wish I could like okay, music. I don't dissect music like that because I don't intrinsically understand it like I do film. Like I can just hear a song and go, I like that, and then just move on. I don't have to pick it apart. When I watch a film or like a television show, like I just, I get all inside, like, its head, and I have to understand, like, the way the things work. Mm -hmm. It's like when people, when I used to do mornings, people would say, well, who do you like to listen to on the radio? And I say, like, other than me? No one. Because when I hear someone else talking, all I can do is think, well, they did that right. That could have been better. It's like, really? Really? And it's just, it's constant critique. And you can't. Like, even when, like, I re-listen to, like, our podcasts, like, I'll just sit there and I'll be like, oh, man, if we would have changed the timing on that joke, mm-hmm. like, that thing would have, like, 
there there are just there are things I can't do without me going, well, how would you improve this? How would you have done this differently? Why doesn't that seem to work like it should? And for better or for worse, and at this point, like I'm I'm knocking on 40's door. I, I don't think I'm going to change. Like I can't I can't watch I can watch a movie and say that I enjoyed it, but I can't leave it at that. Yeah, true. Like man. I probably in the same way that like you know somebody that's into like the culinary arts, they can't just sit there and go, well, that sandwich was good. They have to analyze why the sandwich mm-hmm. was good. Why did this like work well with this? Why did that taste complement that? I would have went with this different bread on that sandwich than this because it would have went with the this particular. I'm not a chef, and I find that people, for the most part, are far too pedestrian for me because when they say they like certain restaurants, it's like, so you've eaten there, or you and sh- you choose are you saying to you, go back. You like the sign? Um, I mean, what is it you... I don't understand why you would go there. Are, and are, does someone have a gun to your head? Are you being threatened if you don't say that? Why? Why? Just, why would you I need do to know. That? I need to know. I want to know. Yeah. Anyway, so Artemis Fowl, don't ignore it because the reviews are scathing. I think the reviews are just a little too reviewy. Just don't. You know, Jane, there's there's another film that I love that got some scathing reviews that I still love to this day. Yes. It's Waterworld. <laughs> love, love that. I, I'll True tell you. That. This could be your Waterworld. Super Mario Brothers and Waterworld. <sighs> I, have spent, I have spent far too much time on those films that are largely just viewed as cinematic dump fire or like just dumpster fires. But I still find myself engaged with them and like... To, to this day, 25 years after the release of Waterworld, I can still talk about it. Wait, <laughs> why have we not done that one? Okay. This, this so, is the prime time. You're listening to Binge or Cringe, brought to you by Hinson Oakley Family Dentistry. Jane Ellen talking with Adam Cravens about what is worth watching on TV. It's not Waterworld. It's got to be streaming somewhere. Oh, I'm sure it I is. I mean, besides my house. like. So, you have... Artemis Fowl is clearly on Disney Plus. But I dare say the most watched film that has come out on Netflix is made by a, a small time director. You might not know him, Spike Lee. Have you heard of him? I've heard of him. You've heard of him. He does things. It's called The Five Bloods. Never. A filmmaker to shy away from controversy, taboos. Um, I mean, even when he did um, Black Klansman, mm-hmm. um, which was a a comedy by and large. Like, I don't, I don't think that guy knows how to make a movie that doesn't push buttons that traditionally you do not push like in in film or i mean look at his film malcolm x Mm -hmm. do the right thing um he he likes to have his things very charged with you know politics or like race like i don't necessarily enjoy all of the things that he does but he is a definitively passionate filmmaker Mm -hmm. about the subjects that he decides he wants to talk about now maybe you can help me remember this because as i'm as I'm watching it, parts of the story remind me of something else. 
Maybe it was an episode of Magnum P.I. I don't know. But the story is you have these four Vietnam vets, and on the surface, they are going back to Vietnam to recover the remains of their their leader, their unit leader, who died there, and they're going to find him because they, they have an idea of where he is. They're not just going to randomly find him, and they're going to bring him it's back. It's not like a Where's bury. Waldo. Right. Okay. So you have these... These four guys have gotten together, and it's, you know, 30-some years later. It also happens that there is gold involved, and they're going to get the gold, and they're going to bring that back as well. So that's the main thing. It almost sounds like Triple Frontier. Ah. You know, it, it's, it does have some lessons in it. And it reminded me of episodes of Blackish, where on Blackish they'll go, you know, this happened on this date and this person and things that you may or may not have known. And uh, I found that interesting. The 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 guy who they're going back to get happens to be uh, Black Panther. And who would leave Black Panther behind? Huh? I don't. Nobody. It's probably not that Black Panther. I'm assuming. No, it's it's the Wakanda. Oh, it's the actor that played him. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Yes. All right. <laughs> yes, it's Wakanda Black Panther. But so still, he's probably not playing that character. No, he's in not. the film. He's okay. not playing oh. Black Panther. But it sounds funnier. It's not a funny True. movie. But it sounds funny. It doesn't sound funny. Now, like... now my husband points out. He goes, "Did you notice stylistically? You've got when they're in the flashbacks, because he's a much younger actor than everyone else." He is, you know, his age, whatever that is, but the four other guys are playing themselves but 30 years prior, and they're not all de-aged. They're just playing themselves. And I, of course, said, sure, that's a stylistic thing, but could you keep up with five people and then try to figure out which actor is playing this actor and who's playing that you know, as they jump from 30 if, years like, ago to If you current. cast, you know, actor X in this, but you've got X, actor B in the, and, and you're not just, and they're not all wearing name tags. Right. I, I think it would probably come off as, like, uh, when I watched, um, what was it, uh, it and It Chapter 2, there were times I was just like, wait, which kid is that? Right. I know, I know that, because, like, I mean, as much as, like, they're supposed to have a passing resemblance, mm-hmm. like... Most of it, like, if you look at pictures of me whenever I was 11, I still kind of look like that kid. Like, I'm obviously taller, like, my shoulders are broader. But in a lot of those situations where you're you're having different actors playing them at different ages, unless, like, there's just one that you have to keep, like, in Forrest Gump, I, I can keep up with the one kid mm-hmm. that is Forrest Gump that's not Tom Hanks. Right. When you mix that up, I'm just sitting there going, uh... Wait, are you Gary? Yeah. Which one's Gary? I actually thought it was quite brilliant because I hadn't, well, I'd noticed it, but I hadn't really dwelled upon it. And then went, well, that solves a lot of problems for the film watcher because you know, because each guy has very definite personality types. And I guess the only thing that bugged me is on me. And somebody meets someone in a bar and what's their job? Um, they happen to find unexploded landmines. So naturally, 
I know they didn't tell me that information just to be Casually. interesting. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, now someone's going to just... And so as soon as the guy starts to back up, I go... Now, you, you did mention, like, the recasting of roles, and I, I remember this because I thought it was funny. I was like, they're not wrong. Um, whenever they release Solo... Mm-hmm. Somebody made the comment. I, I don't remember if it was Twitter or Facebook or whatever, but they said, I think all of us, and I go, I'm going to speak for the majority of us out here, would have rather you just cast Harrison Ford as he is now mm-hmm. in that movie and just through sheer stubbornness, we all just pretend he looks young. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. I, yeah. Because I'm sitting there thinking, and I'm like, but he's not younger, and you could use the digital DA. And mm. I'm like, no, I would that would have been fine. I would have dealt with that. I yeah. would have been just fine with it. And they'll just be like, wait, why does he look 30 years older Doesn't than matter, he did? I, I've just been like, it's Harrison Ford. Stop talking to me. And yet, Adam and I stand by this. Solo is a good movie. And the actor that played Solo with the unusual name that I didn't bother to learn, I feel so bad for him because he was good and he deserved more than the the crap that was rained on him. The problem is he he was taking over a role that Harrison Ford iconically played. Like, no, no fault of his own. It wasn't because he was bad in it. Just, you know, don't kids don't touch things Harrison Ford touched. Like, name me another Jack Ryan besides Alec Baldwin. I knew where you were going. I saw that look in your eye. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, really, you need to. I was going to gonna s- say Callista Flockhart because now it's, it's not funny. Whenever Disney, it, it, like, inevitably tries to recast Indiana Jones, I'm just saying, Why? like, because they own the rights to that, and Harrison Ford is not a young man. Like, Indy 5, really, like, uh, if I'm a betting man, that's the end of the road. Like, Spielberg's not doing it anymore. Fr- I mean, is he going to do the same thing like he did with Star Wars? Okay, um, I'll make one more, but you got to kill me off. Like, I maybe you do where he, like, he bookends it or, like, it's him. And he finds he has another son that isn't Shia LaBeouf. I think that's definitely it. Or he, like, the MacGuffin in that one is they have to go back and erase that film from being made. <laughs> I, I'm tell- I've joked about it several times, but I really think it's why Sean Connery didn't want it. He was like, you're saying that. That's my grandson. I'll I'll not do it. I'll, I'm not in this. And they're like, we've already cast him. We can't, Sean. And he's like, just just literally kill me in the film. Just do it. Um, which reminds me, I saw. Now I'm going to have to look it up because I won't know. I saw this thumbnail of a Sean Connery movie, and I said, whoa, 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 what is is that Sean Connery? And Jim says, oh, of course it is. It's blah, 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 blah. I say, wait a minute. I've never heard of this. Is it? Is it Darby O'Gill and the Little People? Is that an actual movie? That Yeah, that's like his first big, like... Oh, no, 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 no. No. Let me find the picture. It's called Zardoz. Oh, is it the one where he's got, like, the He-Man cross patch and, like... Yeah, 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 yeah. The... The, Come on, show me the, the furry, picture. The furry, yes. almost kiltish kind of. Yes. And, and, he, and but the ponytail. And the kiltish suspenders. Yeah, and a ponytail. Yeah, oh, yes. here it is, here it is. <laughs> oh, yeah, here it Zard- is. I, I, yeah, I, I already know what you were talking about. My guess was going to be Zardoz. I mean, I, that's just hilarious to me. Okay, imagine, imagine Ursula Andress coming out of the ocean in Dr. No. And then they said, hey, Sean, put this on. 
Put the exact same outfit she was wearing on We'll throw on, on yourself. some pirate boots and uh, we'll make a movie. I mean... The thing about it is, and like, I haven't seen this movie in... Ever. 30 years at this point. <laughs> I need to see it. He's still really masculine. And like, I, I'm not telling you that's a decision that he should have made, but like, Sean Connery still largely pulls it off in that really? movie. Like... That that guy, like, really, the him being in, like, what's it, what was it? Is it Dr. No is the first, Dr. No is the first, like, Bond movie. Then I, I think Thunderball mm-hmm. from Russia with Love. Trying to think of all of his. And, from Zardoz with Love. I, I'm saying, like, he had so much success with those movies. It really kind of let him do whatever else he wanted pretty much for the rest of uh, of his and yet his t- I had no career. whisper of this. Why wasn't this brought up when the Dukov was in a red speedo? Why? Well, no internet, but uh, this is this is gold. I can't believe you've never heard of Zardoz, like or seen that picture. Like I said, I, the last time I probably saw it, like I I was not out of grade school, like yet. I don't remember where I saw it, but I just remember going, huh? This is. Strange. Hmm. This is unusual. Like, I probably saw it, like, on TNT, like, the edited version at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning. Like, that's when I watched a lot of just weird movies when this I was a kid. I mean, and if or it TBS, like it would be a mystery or, science theater movie. Except except for the fact that it has the exceptional casting of, yeah. of Sean Connery. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. So, anyway, uh, Zardoz uh, must be on Netflix because that's we were rolling through and I probably saw that. But Spike Lee's film was made for Netflix. It is an exceptional film. Uh, there are things, there are, there are tropes, like I said. You, if you've seen a movie, you know some things are going to happen. But it's a good movie. Netflix really is legitimizing the, I mean, are, are they made for TV movies? Technically, they yeah. are. But I'm just saying, like, in the same way that that used to be kind of a negative, knowing that a movie is being going going directly to, like, what was the, the Kevin Costner with The Highwaymen? Mm-hmm. That Triple was a Frontier. great movie. I'm saying bo- Triple Frontier and The Highwaymen, more than anything else, like, just told me. Wow. Like, these are cinema quality movies. And if not for my extensive knowledge of, like, the release or, like, actors' filmographies, I would not know that those were not theatrical releases. Mm-hmm. Like, when, um, what was it? Uh, when Val Kilmer pl- was in The Doors, his agreement with the director was that if, if we can, it, like, let's mix up a whole bunch of the recordings of Morrison and... If you can't tell me who's doing it, if it's me or him, I get to sing in the film. And apparently, like, they even brought in some of the surviving members of The Doors, and they they were guessing incorrectly. So mm-hmm. Val Kilmer got to go. If, if Netflix is to the level that I can't pick it out unless I research it and go, oh, there we go. That's how I know. They really have done something to make sure that you're legitimizing your your brand and really proving that, like, Quality does not have to come from the silver screen, at least mm-hmm. in that respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I concur. So you've got a an adult, not adult, like, but you have a grown-up mature film from Spike Lee. The Five Bloods is on Netflix, and it's it's an excellent film. What can I say? 
Love him or hate him, he's a talented filmmaker. Yeah, it's like even if you don't like the subjects he chooses to discuss, Spike Lee is is a legit like talented. Um, I, I'm 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 gonna I, I'd say he's probably in at least the top ten of the last like thirty mm-hmm. years. And uh, Artemis Fowl is is not a cartoon about a duck, which is what I thought it was going to be. It's like I don't want to watch. I'm not in the mood. Oh, well, this has gadgets. This, this so. has no ducks at all. There's no ducks, but it has gadgetry. I'm intrigued by gadgetry. Artemis Fowl is not great. I wish it had been, but it's not horrific. It's not so terrible that it was a waste of your time. Right. Like, say, the gadgetry of Inspector Gadget. Yes. I think if this had just been made for Netflix, the outcry would not have been as great. But the fact that it was made as a theatrically released yes. film, and if it had been made for Disney Plus, they, or Disney they, Plus, yeah, they probably could have spread it out a little bit more and like not had to keep it to that two hour. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a there. I don't know that there's a whole lot of books out there that I haven't thought after watching the film. This could have benefited from being a miniseries. Oh, this is clearly set up to be a franchise. But now, having watched Artemis Fowl, I think you nailed it. If this had been turned into an eight-episode series... It would have benefited a lot more than having to put itself into the framework of a two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour, hour, hour, 45-minute narrative. Let's get on the horn and tell Disney Plus to fix that issue. Let me... um, Do that. I don't... Do that. There. Do it. Maybe I have an address somewhere. And... Tweet it to them. Word has it that... Theaters will be open in about six weeks. At the end of July. In order to watch Tenet, which sadly does not have David Tennant in it. No, so really sure. I'd throw that out there. So anyway, there's stuff to watch. Thank you so much for listening to Binge or Cringe. I'm Jane Ellen. And I'm Adam Cravens. You've been listening to Binge or Cringe. Download your favorites and keep up with new episodes in the Hints and Oakley Podcast Center.